Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. You got a copy of the Word? You can open it up today to the Book of First Corinthians, chapter twelve. You can hold your finger there on verse twelve, and, and we'll get there in just a few minutes and, and be able to share what God has given us to share today. We've been talking about for some weeks now, centered around the Easter season, along the theme of above all. Talking about the truth that Jesus Christ certainly is above and over all. That He is supreme, incomparable in this world and in this universe. We talked about the fact that He's above all in the Christian. That He should be first in our hearts, man, and in our hopes. Because He's done for us what nobody else could do. And beloved, He can do for us what nobody else can. There's nobody like Jesus Christ. He ought to be first in the heart of the Christian if nowhere else he is first and above all in creation. Man, this time of year we see it clearly. The change at every hand's turn. Minutely it seems like things change. And we're mindful that it's under his direction, under his leadership, under his jurisdiction. The word says by him all these things consist and, and hold together. And he is truly above all in creation. We've seen that he's above all in salvation. That there's a whole lot going on. To say that you name the name of Jesus Christ and your lamb, the name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that means a whole lot of things have happened. It's very simple on our side, man. All we do is respond in faith and repentance. But man, on His side, He has accomplished many, many things. And every minute of every hour of every day, and yea, throughout all eternity, He will be working, working, working on our behalf. Man, we see that His hand is above and over it all. And apart from the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we're still in real trouble. We see that he's above all in the congregation, man. If he's first anywhere, it ought to be at the house of God, among the people of God. We see that he is the head. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 told us he is the head of thee or his body. Man, I think about the human body today, and the body is a marvel, isn't it? You think about your body, it's a marvel when you begin to analyze what it can do and, and what it does do every day. And some of it it does without you even being aware that it's doing it. You're just moving along and trusting it to be the body on your behalf. I read some statistics that just amazed me this past week. It's this. If you're an adult of average weight, and I'm going to leave that out there for your own interpretation, here's what your body can accomplish in 24 hours. First of all, your heart beats 103,689 times in one 24-hour period. Wow. Think about that. I mean, the blood in your veins, one cell, they tell me, travels 168 million miles in 24 hours' time. That's one cell in your body making its way around. It can travel that far in 24 hours' time. You breathe 23,040 times. You inhale, they tell me, some 438 cubic feet of air in a 24-hour period. Here's the one that particularly offended me. You eat 3.25 pounds of food in one 24-hour period. I believe I eat six and a half. How I many of y'all say, hey, I, I ain't stopping at 3.25. I'm tipping the scales on the high side. Man, you drink 2.9 quarts of liquid. You speak, I wrote this down, 4,800 words in a 24-hour period. That's the average, including, I wrote this, some very unnecessary ones. You move 750 muscles. Your nails grow just a fraction of an inch. I mean, they can measure just how far in 24 hours period. Your hair grows just a little over two hundredths of an inch in a 24-hour period. I love this one. I didn't know I had this many brain cells. You exercise 7 million brain cells in one 24-hour period. Your body is a marvel. 
Doesn't the word bear that out? What does it teach us? It says that we are fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. And man, statistics bear that out this morning. Consider your body. It's a marvel. You consider your body also, though, it's very meaningful. Now, this old flesh, beloved, is not eternal. Thanks be unto God that I'm not going to have to carry this flesh with me into the kingdom. That one of these days I'm going to lay it down like a robe, old sinful and tainted, and I'll have a brand new body. The Word tells me one like His glorious body. What will we be like? We don't know, but we know this. When He appears, the Word says we shall be just like Him. Man, our body, though, here is meaningful. We need not discard it. We understand that it's an important part of our life. Man, if you don't think it is, let it get hurt. Let it get injured. Let something happen. Let an illness befall you. Let something come about in your life, and you'll find out just how meaningful your body is to you on this planet. It doesn't even have to be a big thing. It can be something like a paper cut or a, or a hangnail. Beloved, I get a hangnail. I pay great attention to it in my life. Your body is very meaningful as you, as you live and breathe and have motion. Why? Man, I, I tell you why. Because the body is the context in which we live our daily lives. We undertake the gifts and the callings of God. This body certainly not eternal, but very meaningful. Paul uses the word body as a metaphor. He uses it as a metaphor for the church of Jesus Christ, and rightfully so. And we apply those two thoughts to our spiritual, the spiritual body, which is the church of Jesus Christ, universal, and the church local. We see, man, what a marvel the church is. Man, we see that it does so many things. I, I don't know if we can estimate what's going on in the church of Jesus Christ in the world today. Not just here in Fairview, North Carolina, but think about the church universal. Uh, throughout all the world at any given moment, I don't think you can estimate what God is doing in and through His body. I don't think we could list all the things that God is up to and working in and through His body. It is a marvel when you stand back and think about the fact that God has chosen to work in and through such a vessel as us. What a what a marvelous thing even in our little local body we were talking in our staff meeting this week I think if I stood up here and tried to list and enunciate all the things that were just going on in this local body in the last two days or in the coming week or in the coming summertime I think we'd use a ton of those 4,800 words just in that quick moment of trying to tell you what's going on even in this local body and we trust that God is doing it all and what a marvel it is and I wrote this down the church beloved is the context of our Christian experience and the, and the endeavors of our Creator. God is at work. This is His context. The way that He works in the world is through His body, which is the church. Man, what a, what a marvel. What a meaningful thing is the body. Man, when we look at it, we think, God, how did you do it? When the church is healthy and rolling, isn't all good? But you let an injury crop up in her and oh my... Paul says in Colossians clearly, though, that he is the head of the body, that he works it just like it is. He does it for his glory, his honor, and his praise. We looked at his position in it. He's preeminent. We looked at his possession of it. It's his, beloved. We look at his production. He gives her life, and he gives her power. We look at his provision. He is her fullness today. I want to take a quick look and spend some time considering this thought, a quick look at the parts of the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and following, I want to read this passage, and then we won't exegete it all. We will just glean some things from it. Let's read it together. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. 
Some very paradoxical statements. The body is one, but it has many members. Hard to reconcile all that just in a cursory reading. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. If I didn't know any better, I'd think God intended the body to be one. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Yes, it's of the body. Verse 16, and if the ear shall say, because I'm not of the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Sure it is. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? Verse 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, how? As it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I don't need you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, they seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think, we think they're less honorable. But upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have a more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no division or no schism in the body, and that the members should have the same care. I love that statement, one for another. I love verse 26. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, listen, he says, all the members rejoice with it. Verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ. That's the theme of our discourse. And your members in particular. And you think, man, pastor, how can I be that? If I'm, I'm a member of the body of Christ, yet I'm a member in particular. It's all one thing, but yet it's made up of a bunch of individuals. How do I, how do I function, and what does that mean for me? Well, I'm going to give you four quick thoughts. Again, I'm not going to exegete this entire passage. I'm going to try to glean for you four quick thoughts that will help us be uh, the parts of the body that we need to be. Number one, I want you to note parts are individual. The parts of the body of Christ are individual. If you cite verse 14, if you look at verse 20, you'll see the body is not one member. It says it's many. Verse 20 says, there are many members, yet one body. So we see that the, the parts of the body still, even though they're a unit, they have their own various identities. And, and beloved, we shouldn't all strive to be the same. Now, we shouldn't necessarily strive to be different just for different sake, but we shouldn't be striving to be the same. What we should strive to be is to be ourselves and to be the best self that we possibly can be. My mind drifted back this week to my 11th grade social studies class. I had a man named Mr. Haggerty that taught that. I can tell you this, when I was in the 11th grade, I already had senioritis. I mean, y'all, I was already done with all that. I already had, in my mind, I thought, man, this is a waste of my time. The next two years, I can think of a thousand things. I'd rather be doing more beneficial than sitting right here at school. As a result, you say, did you do your best? No, I didn't. Man, I just did everything I needed to do to get by and graduate and make sure I, I got that diploma. Could you have done better? Oh, yeah, much better, but uh, I didn't. I was just doing my thing. I remember one day he called two or three of us together up to his desk. They were in the same boat that I was in in those moments. He looked at us and he made a statement that I don't guess I'll ever forget as long as I live. He said, boys, I've never seen a group of men striving for mediocrity any harder than you boys are. I've never seen anybody work so hard at being mediocre. He said, man, you do. You could spend far less effort trying to be the best that you could be right here in this social studies class. 
Man alive, that stuck with me. And, and isn't it true in the church today? Uh, we get here, and we check the boxes off, and we say, God, I showed up. God, I made it. God, let me out of this for another week. And God's saying, wow, you're working a whole lot harder at being a mediocre part of my body than, than you would if you tried to be the best you you could possibly be. And he's telling us, man, be who you are. Strive to be yourselves. He said, you're individuals. Don't get so lost in the body that you miss the fact that you are an individual part. And it's made up, yes, as one, but individual members come become a part of this whole body. Even with similar callings, I wrote this down. Even with similar callings, because there are a lot of people that are called to be pastors, a lot of people that teach Sunday schools, a lot of people, student pastors, a lot of people, missionaries, a lot of people with similar callings. Even in the context of that similar calling, we need to resist the temptation to be caught up in being just like those people that do the same thing we do. One of the greatest pieces of ministry advice I ever got as a young man, it's hard for me to believe it's been over 20 years ago, I had this conversation. It's a guy deeply and highly respected. He came to me and he knew I was embarking on this road of ministry and knew my history and my background, a mentor of mine. He pulled me aside and he said, Stace, let me tell you something. He said, I'm excited about what God's called you to do. He's called you to pastor and preach. Man, I'm excited for you. He said, I just want to give you a few words of advice as you go. I don't want you to forget them. He said, when you're out there doing this, don't, don't try to be Chuck Swindoll. Don't do that. Don't, don't try to be Charles Stanley. He said, as great as those men are and as mightily as God is using them, don't try to be them. He even brought it very personal in application to my life. He looked me right in the eye and he said, I don't even want you to try and be Steve Harris. He said, I want you just to be Stacy. I want you to be Stacy Harris. Well, that's who... God has created you to be and that's what he has made you to be and that's what he intends you to be and he said I want you to go be the very best Stacy Harris that you can be for the glory and the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ church man we, we look around as Sunday school teachers or small group leaders and we say well they're doing it this way and it's working for them or, or their class is growing more than mine I, I, I need to start doing what they're doing or, or teaching the way that they're teaching it and while it is well and good to have models in your life and we need that we need models and mentors to help mold us into the people that God wants us to be but ultimately we must understand that God has made us just like we are and all he expects us to be is who he has made us to be for the glory and the honor and the praise of Jesus Christ. And we look at this passage, you cannot escape the fact that the members are individual. Gifts and the callings, the body parts are individual. I thought this too. You know, you don't need five hands, do you? Some days I feel like I could use them. You don't need but one mouth. Man, if I had two mouths, I'd be in double trouble. I mean, I would all the time, I'm just here to tell you. One is all I can manage. And God has put us together as individuals, and you just need to be who you are in the context that he's called you to be. Secondly, I want you to note that the body parts are intentional. If we cite verse 18, I love that verse. To me, one of the key verses in this little passage of Scripture that I read you, it says, but now have, and you ought to circle or highlight or whatever you do in your word, this, this next word, but now have God set the members of every one of them in the body, and I love this last phrase, as it has pleased him. God did this intentionally in such a way that it would please him when all was said and done. 
He organized this body together. He used your individual talents and your individual callings and your individual giftings. And he has molded them together himself in such a way that when the end time comes, all that's happened will bring glory and honor and praise unto him. I love this thought. I wrote this down in my notes. We don't decide what we are or we don't even decide where we are. He assigns us what we are and he calls us to the place that he wants us to serve in and puts us there intentionally. I'm glad this isn't a willy-nilly experience. And this isn't us reacting as best we can in our own human understanding to what we think God wants us to be. But ultimately, we're yielding to that great conductor who is like a, a wonderful symphony, blending us all together intentionally in such a way that it might not please me or that it might not please you necessarily. Although as a byproduct, it generally does. He does it in such a way that it will please and honor him. I wrote this down. If you don't like your gifting, you better take it up with God because he's the one that put it in your heart and your life. And if you don't like your calling, you better take it up with him because it's him that put it in your heart and he's the one that put it in your life. He placed you there. I remember back in the old days, uh, we used to play not electronic games. We used to play uh, a thing called board games. How many of y'all are old enough to remember? We didn't have electronic games. We played board games. That's what we did. Uh, nowadays, everything's electronic. You can play anything you want to. And in those days, we had to sit down together and pull out the Monopoly board or whatever it was, or sorry, whatever it was we were going to play. One particular game we played a lot was the game of life. How many of y'all remember the game of life? Anybody in here remember that? Man, life. What a... What a game that was. The object of it was to end at the end of it with the most money that you could possibly have. And whoever had the most money, that's who won. And I believe that's how we define life today. Whoever came up with that game was right dead on target. When we get to the end, whoever has the most money, they've surely got to be the person that won. Man alive, they would even give you kids throughout the game. And at the end of it, you could sell your kids. I mean, y'all remember that? For money uh, so that you could try to win the game in the end. You could do that. It was all about the money. So at the beginning, in my mind, I figured this out. I, I wasn't the dumbest guy on the corner. wasn't the smartest, but I figured out, you know, you had to spin that spinner to see what you were going to do for a living. And when a paycheck came, that's how much money you got. I figured out real quickly whatever I spun in the beginning was going to dictate whether I had a chance to win or lose in the end. I mean, if you spun and were some kind of salesperson, that was okay. But boy, if you spun and you hit lawyer, hallelujah and glory to God, I'm a lawyer. You could just cruise the rest of the game because you knew when the end came, you were going to have more money than anybody else. Doctor, oh, hallelujah, I spun the doctor, man. And it was all about what the spinner said you were going to be and what kind of paycheck you were going to draw. And you say, wow, Pastor, wow, wow. You know, nowadays the electronic version, I didn't even know they had one. I sat down at Chili's with my girls the other day and, and on the table is this little kiosk that you can use to pay your bill. You can use to order some refills. I'm, I'm bad to scan the desserts on the kiosk because I'm always looking ahead trying to order my desserts so it'll be out there at the right moment. And that, on that little kiosk is also a bunch of games that you can play because, heaven forbid, you'd want to sit with your family for the eight and a half minutes it takes to cook your chicken back there and bring it out to the table and actually talk. So they put some electronic games on the table, and here my girl started piddling with it. I said, 
what are you doing? Dad, we're playing the game of life. I thought, well, there's no board. There's no little plastic cars. There's no pegs that are blue and, and pink for you to stick in there for your kids. They're playing the game of life. One of them ended up being an architect. One of them started out as a salesperson. And the, and the same is true then. Well, now, what it was then, they knew who was going to win. But in the middle of the game, one of them said, hey, I went back to school. Now I'm a lawyer. Praise be unto God. And man, they're right back in the game. So they figured out the game's got to change somewhere along the way and get all the players involved in it. You know, I didn't, you don't have anything to do with whether you're a doctor or a lawyer in the game of life. Man, you know, the same is almost true in the giftings and callings of God in your life. You know, he puts them there. He oversees them. And he does it in such a way that it's pleasing to him. And ultimately that it's going to bring good and glory into your own life. And profit unto you. The word says clearly in verse 18. Now let me tell you. God has set these members together. God has made them just like they are individually. And God has put them together. And he's done it in such a way that it would please him when the product was finished. And you see today we struggle. Oh should I be this or should I be that? Let me tell you the greatest thing that you can do. Is just use the giftings and the talents that God has given you. Use them for his own glory. Use them for his honor. Use them for his praise. Here's a word of personal application. I never ever sat out to be what I am this day. It was not on my radar screen. To be standing here at 40 some odd years of age. I won't tell you how many. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was not what I thought about. I did not have it on my radar screen to pastor a church. You say, did you love the Lord? Yes, I did. I came to know the Lord when I was seven years old. You know, I have moments in my life, just like everybody does, that they're not proud of. But the truth be told, I loved Him. And I wanted to please Him with who I was. Man alive, though, I didn't think this would be it. I was on the track of the doctor and the lawyer and the engineer. That's what was in my mind, the engineer. Man, they make a lot of money. They've got to win this thing at the end. They've got to live a happy and a joyful experience. You will if God's called you to be a doctor, if God's called you to be a lawyer, or God's called you to be an engineer. But I'm telling you, I'm the happiest person that you'll ever see on the face of this earth. You know why? I'm thankful unto God that he didn't yield to my plans and my purposes for me. I'm thankful unto him that he had a different purpose for me and a place for me to serve him in this capacity. I wouldn't trade it for anything on the planet. I'm having the time of my life. Are there hard times? Oh, yes. Are there challenges? To be sure, there are challenges to what he's asked me to do. But I wouldn't do anything else on the planet. It's the most fulfilling and satisfying calling. Let me tell you something. You go do what God's called you to be. Don't worry so much about part you, what part of this body you even want to be or what part of the body others think you ought to be. Just be sure that you're being the part of the body that He's made you to be and doing it in the place that He's put you in to do it. You say, Pastor, how do I know? I'm going to give you three things quick and I'm going to go fast. Just three things and you use them when, when you're trying to discern how you know what God's asking you to do. Number one, the best thing you can do is pray and ask Him. If you want to know what he's calling you to do, pray and ask him first. Say, Lord, would you show me what it is you want me to do? What is it you've called me to be? What part, what role do you want me to play in the body of Jesus Christ? Secondly, understand that it's never far from your skill set. 
It might seem easy to you. It might say, you might say, well, that would be an easy thing to do. Well, it might be easy for you because that's what God's called you and gifted you to do. It's never far from your skill set. Thirdly, it's never far from your heart. Man, I can't imagine God making you with a passion and, and something you love and then saying, you know what, though? No, I'm not going to let you use that passion to serve me. I'm going to make you serve me over here doing this thing that you hate and doing this thing that's a great drudgery to you. It's never far, I find, from your heart when somebody truly finds what God wants them to do. It's always fulfilling to you. When you do it, you never feel better than when you're in the right place, doing what God has made you to do, doing it for His glory, His honor, and His praise. God has intentionally made you just like you are, and He's intentionally incorporated you into His body, man, to make us function for His glory, His honor, and His pleasing. Thirdly, I want you to see that body parts are important. Body parts are important. If you look at verses 21 and 22, some people say, man, I'm just an old foot, or I'm a big old toe. That's all I am. God's called me to be a big toe. I, I don't make much difference in the body of Christ. I, I mean, now, yeah, the preachers and the, the guys up in the eyes and the ears, yeah, they're pretty important hands, but hey, a little toe, man, they could do without me just fine. But I'm here to tell you, you, you can't. Every part of the body is very important. Every part of the body ha has a great role to play. The body, in short, I wrote it this way, is less effective when any part of it is not functioning in the way that God made it and intended it to be. All of us are important. Everybody here is important. Everybody who's a part of Trinity of Fairview Baptist Church is important. We need everyone in the place that God has called them, using the gifts that He has placed within them, all for His glory, all for His honor, all for His praise. I wrote this down. If you are disengaged, you're in some way hindering the work of the Lord in this team. If you're disengaged in what He's called you to do, you're somehow hindering the work of the Lord. Is He going to get it done? Yes, because He is the head of this body and the work's going to go on. But somehow you're standing in the way and somehow being a hindrance to what God is doing. Man, your job is critical here. Equally, if you're in the wrong spot, in some way you're hindering the team. There are some people that feel like, i got to do this and i got to do that and, and i got to get this done. And they use this reasoning. If I don't, nobody else will and it won't get done. And in some way they're standing in the spot that God has called somebody else. To be a part of. And when you do that, you're hindering the work of the team. I can't say I'm a giant Duke fan, but I respect him deeply. Coach Mike Krzyzewski won his what? How many? Fifth national championship not too many weeks ago. Man, I noticed he didn't have Okafor out there playing point guard in the championship game, did he? I, I didn't see any time during the game that he said, you know what, I know you're most effective down toward the basket. I know that if we can throw you the ball down there, you're either going to score or get fouled or both. And man, that's going to be to our good. But right now, I'd love for you just to play point guard for, for the next 10 minutes. Take a, take a few threes out there, man. See, see how you're doing at that and see if that part of your game is developing. No. Why? Because he says, man, that's not where you belong. You need to be down low underneath playing that center that's where your strengths and talents lie and you see God is is doing that in and through us and when we begin to serve in the wrong spot somehow we're hindering the work that God is doing in and through his body fourthly I want you to note that the body parts are interconnected and we're all important we're all individual he's intentionally made us just like we are and man he is the one who has connected us together I wrote these sentiments down we are tied together we're tied together. The scripture tells us in verse 26, what a beautiful verse. It says that we share the load of our sorrows. 
together. And when one is going through a challenging moment in life and a hard time, that the entire body shares that burden and undertakes that journey with them. It goes on to say that, that we rejoice together and we joy together. And then when one part of the body is promoted and, and something good comes into their life, man, the whole body gets together and begins to rejoice and, and glory and honor in what God has done. We don't even have to be in the same, ge same geographical location for this to happen. I got a call from a dear brother of mine late last night. I was walking Dye Leaf Road there in the, in the late part of the day just trying to clear my mind and, and get ready for today. Phone rang. I had it in my hand because I never know when something on me. Again, I'm 40-some-odd years old, and when you're out that far from home, something could fail very easily at, at my stage in life. I carry my phone with me. He called. I saw it was him, and I answered. Lives in Fort Myers, Florida now. Y'all know Mike Clark. Some of you do very well. We begin to talk just on the way that Mike can, you know. We begin to talk about his life situation, some of his health challenges, some of the things, the heavy things that have been on his heart, been on his life. I was able to talk about some of the challenges I was facing along with my brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. We prayed over those things. And after we prayed, here was then only the way Mike can. He says, now, by the way, preacher, by the way, realize that God's already done the healing. I, I'm just walking into it. And, man, we begin to rejoice together. We begin to honor and praise the Lord together for the healing that was coming into his life. We rejoiced over the weather yesterday. He and I covenanted to pray because, man, we had a, a fundraising golf tournament going on to try to send some kids down to, to Nicaragua. We cooked a bunch of barbecue. Matter of fact, you're going to have an opportunity to get some of it today. They cooked some fresh today. Cooked a run yesterday, and we're, we're, we're selling it or getting donations so that we could send some people on the mission field in various aspect the weather forecast was grim and and bleak i mean not a 80 85 90 percent chance not just a rain but a thunder showers and mike said i'm just praying no rain no rain no rain that's a good cause and god's got to stand in the way for that and man yesterday on the 12th tee i took a picture of the blue sky and the clouds you say pastor do you mean to tell me that you think god might himself just delay a thunderstorm on behalf of his children i'm here to tell you he'll do anything that'll further the cause of Christ and the work of God in and through His body which functions under His leadership. And man, we rejoice at the glory of God and His control of the weather even on our behalf. He said, man, let me tell you what happened Friday night. I had a 19-year-old girl come into my house and have dinner with us. She sat down with Carol and I in the living room. He said, the Lord just prompted me to ask her if she knew if she died today, would she spend eternity alongside Jesus Christ? He said, I asked her. She said, you know, I really don't know. I really don't know and he said I told her honey you can know before you get up off that couch in the next few minutes you can know and he said stays right there she asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into her heart and into her life beloved I was walking trying to clear my head I just floated back to the house rejoicing in the goodness and the glory and the things that God does in and through his body man we're in this together how many of y'all have ever needed somebody and there was one of your Christian brothers one of your Christian sisters to hug you around the neck, to hold your hand, to pray with you, to lift you up. And man, when somebody sees God doing something great in your life, and we had a young lady that didn't even know if she's going to be able to walk, took 10 steps and be able to bend her knee. And man, when they tell me things like that, I, I don't get down. I get up and get happy. And it encourages me that God is at work in His body. We are tied together in the sorrows that we face. We face them together in the joys that we undertake. Man, we ought to honor and praise God every time anybody in the body of Christ receives a blessing 
and a glorious thing in their life from Him. The body is an important thing. It is a marvel. Separated by geographical distance on all sides. But we were connected as the body of Christ. Folks, we're part of one another. As you go, I go. And as I go, you go. That's the beautiful thing about being a part of such a place. You know, the Lord never intended His children to function in isolation. He never did. I talk to a lot of people today, and they'll say, Pastor, I don't need a church body. I, I cut the TV on on Sunday morning. I love the Lord. And I know what they're saying. I'm not being critical. I hear what they're saying. I cut on TV. I watch Chuck Swindoll. I watch Charles Stanley every Sunday morning. I, I don't need a local body. But let me tell you, you're going to need somebody somewhere, somehow, sometime. And that somebody for the Christian is found in the local body of Jesus Christ. He's chosen to work in and through us. Why? I have no idea. He could have done it a whole lot better, I'd say, and a whole lot more efficiently, but he has chosen by his grace and mercy to include us in the work of the kingdom. What a glorious thought. I'm going to ask you this. How many of y'all are glad today that you belong to a local body of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's just like this little old body. I'm proud of you as your pastor. The way you love each other. The way you care for each other. The way you suffer with one another. And the way you rejoice with one another. I'm proud to pastor you right here. Church, as we move ahead, understand we're going to move ahead together. We're not going to be critical of one another. We're not going to be a down on one another. We're going to be up on one another. And God has some things for us to do in the days ahead. And I can tell you, it's, if it lives and dies with your pastor, we're never going to get it done. It's going to take every one of us doing what God has gifted us and talented us to do in the place that He's gifted us to do it for His glory and honor and His praise and as it pleases him. Now we are all members together of the body of Jesus Christ. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.